0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now.
1: Straight up 2 o'clock on this Wednesday in Phoenix. John Gambador Tim Ring taking you up until 6 o'clock tonight. I try to get my headphones situated here. I cannot hear very well. And uh, we we got a big show for you. James Jones is going to join us on the uh, program at about 3.30. So we'll talk to the Suns GM at about 3.30. So looking forward to, uh, to having him on the program. A lot of stuff to get into uh, as we talk about the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk some Arizona Cardinals and, and really get into all of that. Let's start. Let's waste no time. Let's tell you what our top story of the day is. Burns and Gambo, the way in brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Two
0: seconds remaining. The Suns inbound the ball. The Landlord Shammah. He shoots a three and gets it. Shazam! It's good. It will count. But this ball game
1: is all over. It is 113 to 110. Yeah, not a good game for the Suns last night. They uh, that was a, that was a frustrating game to watch. Because you know I'm watching that, I'm, I'm taking all my notes in the first quarter, and the second quarter, like then they are letting the Washington Wizards hang around. They're they're just letting them hang around. This is a close game. This is a close game. And then you know that third quarter comes, and you know all of a sudden you know they they were able to push the lead. Washington pushes the lead to seventy-one to fifty-four after Kuzma hits a three-pointer, and then he hit a, he hit a floater. He hit a he had a fast break dunk off a of Mikhail miss. So a little bit of a spurt there by Kuzma. They push their lead to 71-54. The Suns are down by 17. They come storming back in this game. 17-2 to run by the Suns. And they get within two. Chris Paul gets his first basket of the game with six minutes and 12 seconds left. He had 11 points in that run. He, that was the only time he played well was in that little run. And you end the third quarter down 80-78. Down to 78, And like, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a dogfight. But then the fourth quarter, what happens? The Suns go on a run. They take a big lead. They're up by 10. Six minutes and 25 seconds left. DA dunks the ball after getting a pass from Chris Paul. They're up by 10. So just a really weird game, right, But Washington got up big, and then the Suns came back. And then the Suns got up big and then Washington came back and the Wizards just went on this incredible 19 to 2 run where man they were just hitting everything and I mean everything was going in. Advia, Beal, Kuzma, the Suns couldn't buy a basket. You were seeing B- Taj blocked a shot by Torrey. The and the Suns just didn't play well and they got, you know, they got down by 109 to 100. It was a 20- 21 to 2 run at that point, it's 109-100. It's a 21-2 to two run. Some the of Suns got it within three because Landry hit a three and then Landry hit another three, but the Wizards were able to hold on and win that basketball game. and They end a 10-game losing streak they had not won since November 28th. That's a bad loss. Oof. There's no other way to Did it. I explain there's, that right? I'm mad. Man. I, there's no other way.
0: Eddie Johnson, I thought, brought up a pretty good point late in the game when it was clear the Suns were going to lose. and He said, hey, listen, don't point to these last three minutes as the reason why the Suns lost this game. Point to the fact that they fell behind by 17 points earlier in the game to a team that came in with an 11-20 record and was playing without one of their better players in Porzingis. That's where the game was
1: lost in the mind of Eddie Johnson. Yeah, you can make that argument for sure. I think EJ could be right there because you got down that 71-54. Kuzma got hot, uh, but then you were able to come back and make a run of it. But again, I mean, you exert so much energy to trying to get back into the game when you're in the second half and you're down by that many points.
0: But but also understand this. They go up 71-54, the Wizards, with about seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Look at it this way. With five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Suns were up by 10. So that means in a 12-minute span, now think about this, a 12-minute span, essentially one quarter of basketball, the Suns beat that team by 27 points. That's how much better they were When they played good basketball for 12 minutes of basketball last night. They beat him by 27. The problem is... The other minutes in the game, they didn't play good basketball at all. It was lazy defense, not guys guys not getting to their spots. We we saw what happened on on the bench, the, the home video from somebody's cell phone. We'll get into that a little bit later. Charles Barkley on TNT uh talking about the Suns internal strife and he's not too uh, thrilled going on Chris there.
1: gets hurt. I thought he was gonna he didn't come out of the game. But he ran you know, trying to get out to a to a shooter when Adviat hits a three late in the game, he tried to get out and he runs right into Taj Gibson and goes down in the heap I'm like, and he's grabbing his shoulder I think we're all collective sigh like oh god here we go and then he stayed in the game he stayed in the game thank goodness but I think weren't you worried at that point like oh my god Chris Paul's really hurt he, he, yeah. he looked and he was down for a while.
0: And you're excited to get him back in the game. The problem is you didn't have Chris Paul as a closer. And I don't know if that was a shoulder related issue, but when the Suns needed to close out that game by getting buckets, they couldn't do it. Ayton missed. Uh, Shamit missed a couple of shots. Bridges missed a shot. DA got called for a charge. And then on the other end, they couldn't get a stop. Beal and Kuzma. No, it, it, Beal and it, it, Kuzma yeah. combined for nine straight points. To put that game away, and despite what Eddie Johnson said, which is correct, that game was also lost in the final three minutes when the Suns couldn't buy a bucket and they couldn't stop Beal and Kuzma. Well, it looks like
1: they brought Mark Melanson into the game to close. That's what it looked like. Final five minutes of the game, you bring in Mark Melanson, and all of a sudden a whole bunch of runs given up, and that's that's what I mean. Beal was hitting everything, Kuzminels a wide open three. Let's talk about Chris Paul for a second. I thought he had a terrible game. I thought he was awful. Back to backs, right? Didn't make a basket in the first half. He was zero for five. Finished three for eleven from the field, one for three at three from deep. It's eleven assists, three turnovers, but really struggled with the shot. That was not you know back to this is what I worry about with Chris Paul, right? I mean back to backs or when you've got to play a bunch of every other day type games, does that wear him out? Like they needed Chris Paul last night and he was not very good in that game for them. 0 for 5 to start, didn't get a basket until about six minutes left in the third quarter. Had a little bit of a run there for a couple of minutes, but outside of that was not very good well, in the game.
0: Gamble, I don't think anybody played well, including Chris Landry Paul. Landry no, he, Shamit. He didn't, he didn't shoot a lot of threes in the game. He only took three threes in the game. What was interesting to me though was when the Suns realized, okay, we should, c- crap, we might lose this game. And they turned on the Jets, and again they turn a twenty. They have a twenty-seven point swing in the game. Paul did play well offensively and scored the majority of his points when they went on that run. I I got to tell you, I, the way they beat the Lakers the night before, I think, played a little mind trick on the Suns. And just hear me out. I think they thought, OK, the Lakers are shorthanded. We went out there and we kicked the dog crap out of them the night before. Here come the crummy Wizards in and Porzingis isn't playing. And this team has won one game since November. Or I haven't won a game since November. Uh, We're just gonna, all you gotta do is roll the ball out there and we're gonna win the game. And that came back to bite him in the butt last night because the Suns slept, walked through that game for two and a half quarters, turned on the Jets, thought they had it won again, turned off the Jets. And then ended up blowing it. And that's exactly what happened last DeAndre night. DeAndre Ayton
1: was good last night. He had 30 points and 13 rebounds. But I thought the star for them was Landry Shamit. I've never really seen him play that well. He hit nine three-pointers. Nine out of 16. He was knocking them down like they uh, going out of style. He had 31 points in the game. He had five assists. I really thought he did a good job facilitating the offense when he had the ball, too. So I thought Landry played extremely well. Dwayne Washington hit a couple of big shots for them late in the game when they needed it. But, you know, not a good game for Chris Paul. Not a good game, again, for Mikhail Bridges. You know, struggles shooting the ball. One out of four from deep. Four for 11 overall. And they end up losing that game to the Wizards. The Denver Nuggets. Congratulations, Mitch. Your Denver Nuggets now have the best record in the Western Conference. Hey,
0: did you see Jokic's pass last night between the legs? Woo, I did not I see won. that. They were well, all Oh, my beautiful. goodness. A backdoor between the legs? Like he was hiking a football? Well, you know the
1: hottest team in the NBA is the New York Knicks right now, right? The Knicks are playing some good basketball. You can tell by are, are the silence is deafening. What made. The, the Knicks are playing good basketball. I'm just I, saying they've won like eight games in a row. Okay, beat the uh, they beat the Golden State Warriors. Trust me, they haven't been good in forever, but they're playing they're playing good. The Wizards didn't have Porzingis. The Suns didn't have Devin Booker. Uh, but they end their 10-game streak. Beal, 16 in the fourth quarter. Taj Gibson was really good for them down the stretch, man. He really helped. And then we'll talk about Kyle Kuzma, because everybody got a look at, at with him last night. 29 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, a couple of steals. He had an impact on the game as well. So the Suns have one more home game on Friday, and then they take off for uh, a whole bunch of games on the road. I think it's like 7 or 8 games on the road. 7. 7 games on the road. So they'll be on the road for a while. They lose that game 113 to one ten last night, clutch minutes were terrible for the Phoenix Suns. Got completely outplayed. I'm not really worried about the Nuggets having the best record in the West, but the Suns. It's just a matter of you know getting right, making this Jay Crowder trade, adding the pieces that they may need to add, getting this new owner in, and seeing what what he's willing to do as far as the uh, the cap and the luxury tax are concerned, and seeing where they go from there. But Suns lose that one one thirteen one ten again. James Jones, the GM of the Phoenix Suns, will join us at three. We'll see what we uh, can get out of him as far as the new ownership, even if he's allowed to comment on it. The NBA has not approved it yet, so he has not. A, Matt Ishbia has not officially taken over um, the Phoenix Suns as of right now. But we'll talk about that next. Matt Ishbia taking over the Phoenix Suns. What are the expectations? I talked to a former Michigan State alum early this morning. I'll tell you what he said. That's next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. right, so I I got a phone call today and I answered it. How do you like the new Michigan State guy? It was Gibby, Kirk Gibson. (laughs) My boy Gibby. I go, you know, I I go, I I, I think it's going to be great. I think he's going to be awesome. And he, he goes, listen, I know him. I know him real well. And he Told me all the great things about him, and he, you know, he really likes him. And he, I said, you, we talk like, how about well do you know him? He knows him real well. He said, you guys got a gem. Like he was really excited about. Uh uh, Matt Ishbia coming to uh, coming here, coming to, to Phoenix to take over the Phoenix Sun. And so, yeah, I just got that call. It was Gibby, and I talked to Gibby for a while, checked in on him. You know, he's battling the Parkinson's disease, yeah. and uh, we talked a lot about stuff like that, and he invited me to come out and do some snowmobiling with him out in Michigan. So I'm going to have to pick him, uh, take him up on that. So uh, it was good to catch up with Gibby, former skipper for the D-backs, hit one of the most famous home runs in the history of baseball, and uh, he had a lot of great things to say about Matt Ishbia. When he called me this morning, but he's very excited. He was very excited that that a Michigan State alum was taking over the Phoenix Suns. You know,
0: he was jacked. It's a, it's a, it's an exciting time. We, we touched on it a lot yesterday, and nothing nothing has happened over the past twenty four hours to change my mind. I've talked to other Michigan State guys and boosters that 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 know Matt that know what he's all about. He he, he took a company, he built it. His father started it, but Matt took it to the moon. Uh, he, he's obviously got a lot of money. He's 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 Wanted an NBA team now with the goal of not making money on the NBA team, but winning championships. He tried to buy the Broncos. It's been a passion of him to own a professional sports team, whether it be the Broncos. Uh, I talked to somebody earlier today. He actually was sniffing around trying to buy other pro teams that weren't even for sale, Gambo. He was just knocking on doors going, how about this much? How about Uh, about this much? What would it take to get you to buy this? What what is it going to take to put me in the driver's seat of this franchise? But the Sun's come available and he makes his move and he was not going to get outbid I presume and it, the number gets up to $4 billion and sooner or later and probably more sooner than later he's going to take over the reins
1: here 60% and, of the team right we talked about this yesterday yeah. 60% including all of Robert Sarver's majority owner interest and a portion of the minority partner's interest as well so this sale has been they've been working on this since September uh, Robert, got, Robert Sarver got suspended uh, for, for a year and then this fine ten million dollars, and in order to complete a training program, and then he decided, you know, what was best for the Phoenix Suns was to to sell the to sell the team. And I don't think he wanted to sell it now, but I always think at some point he was going to sell it. So he does sell it You make a hell of a ROI return on investment because he bought it for four hundred million and is selling it for a valuation of four billion dollars. But only 2.4 billion is what Matt and his brother are spending uh, to to buy the the franchise. And listen, a lot, a lot of these franchises don't become available. I mean, it's prestigious to own a sports franchise. This one became available out of you know a, the the investigation into Robert Sauber and the, what they they said was a toxic and hostile work environment and allegations. Um, that allowed the Phoenix Suns to be bought because they wouldn't have been available for sale. And it's very difficult to buy some of these sports franchises. They're not often for sale.
0: No, I mean, I think that the. the because, only, because of what the price keeps going up, nobody wants to sell them. Right. It could, and again, we talked about it. Can you imagine now what the Yankees and the Cowboys are going to be worth? I mean, forget what Forbes values these teams at a couple months ago right. because they valued the Phoenix the, Suns at 2.7. and. They just went for four at a four billion valuation, but yeah. But some people say,
1: "What is it worth? Whatever somebody's willing to pay." That's right. I mean, whether it's your house or a baseball card, whatever somebody's it. willing to pay, I want it, and I'm going to go
0: as high as I need to go, mm. which is probably what yeah. happened here. Ishbia was like, "Okay, I'm going to go as
1: high as I need." What's to it, it worth? It's worth three point two billion. But I'll go to four. Right. Why? Because I was, and the other thing is he's young, right? He's 42 years old. He's not a 65-year-old guy buying it. He's 30, he's 42, and he's thinking in 20 years, it's going to be worth $7 billion. I know if if he tried to sell it at any any point in the next five years, he's probably not going to get his money back. $4 At Four million dollars at any point in the next five years. I would, th- I would think. This is my opinion. I don't think he makes a whole lot of money on it. But if you're looking at it as a long-term investment, and he's going to have it for twenty years when he's sixty-two, yes, this this, this organization is going to be worth. Seven, eight billion dollars probably.
0: Uh, unless for some reason he's got a boatload of championships and just wants to do something else, I would assume he's going to have this thing for at least 30 years. I mean, why would, why would you bow out? I mean, I, I think we're going to be 80 years old, Gambo, you and me, and Matt Ishbia is still going to be owning the Phoenix Suns, and you and I are going to be on the, the lake in Lake Como. Check it out.
1: You got to come <laughs> visit? Yeah, I might, I, I might live in the next bungalow. Man, I, I'll have a secondary house. Absolutely. You know, I can't afford to live, live in the big house. You're gonna come visit Lake Como. I sure. listen, I it's open. Like I'm, I, that's what I want. I told Chelsea that too, because we're gonna be spending so much time there. Like people <laughs> could come visit, like anybody you know, yeah, they that's... could come visit. Have them come. No, but I think Lake could, Como's
0: beautiful. I, I would be surprised if he thought of it as a ten to fifteen year deal. No, he's twenty two years old. And, but I think see, I I think It's about the competitive juices with him. I don't think he's thinking like, oh, I'm going to invest this and and make money on it. I think he's thinking, I'm in this thing to win it and win championships. I'm a sports guy. I'm a basketball guy, Mm -hmm. man. I want to compete. I want to get the best free agents. I want to hire the best GMs for the next 30
1: years, and I want to draft the best guys out of college. Magic Johnson had a tweet. Did you see the Magic Johnson tweet? Um, Michigan State guy so Magic Johnson tweeted out I had a great call with fellow Spartan Matt Ishbia congratulating him on his purchase of the Phoenix Suns he's going to do great things not only for the Suns organization but for the entire league all of the other 29 NBA teams better watch out because Matt's a winner that was Irvin Magic Johnson when I talked to Gibby when, when 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 he checked in with me this morning when he called, one of the things he said is, man, he is really really active, like very you know very charitable and gives back and very you know very into that too. So the community should benefit a whole lot too. The sons are great with charities and even Robert Sarver, very very great with sons charities and giving back and things like that. So um, it'll be it, it, now you're getting Matt in here and everything that I've heard from the people I've spoken, including Kirk Gibson this morning, was that he you know he loves to give back. He's very involved in things, very good with the community. So he's got a very successful business, um, and now he's got the Phoenix Suns, and I I expect he's going to take part in this community and embrace this community in every way possible.
0: And by all accounts, treats his employees well. The HBO Real Sports, again, I encourage everybody to find that online. I don't need to rehash it here on the radio. But, again, good, good family guy. He's got children. He tries to spend time with his kids despite being obviously a very busy guy. It'll be interesting to see how much time early on he devotes To the Phoenix Suns organization, then also running, you know, the mortgage business, which brings in billions and billions of dollars. So, I mean, he's got a lot on his plate right now. He's good. He obviously hires good people, and he's probably going to hire a bunch of good people here. There's going to be some new faces in that Suns front office. Gamble. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's going to want to bring some of his own people in uh, to establish his footprint in the Suns organization. But I expect uh, him to be, yeah, heavily involved in the Phoenix community. He's going to probably have a Home here. Don't know if he's going to live here full time. Probably not. He'll probably jet back and forth because that's what these. No, guys No, a lot of these can like do. he doesn't uh, you know, need
1: to. No, I, right. Ken Kendrick goes back and forth between here in Colorado. Oh. Robert Sauber between here and San Diego. So well, of course, a lot of these guys have you know you know they can be any place in three hours. Sure. The pilots on standby. Does anyone and, have a home in Lake Como? <laughs> Yeah. You. I don't. Not yet, but that's the goal. One of the biggest questions will be the luxury tax. That'll be the first thing. The, the Suns are about $17 million over the tax line right now. Um, they're not going to be able to avoid that tax, but I think the biggest question is how far are you willing to go? You saw the New York Mets. They're going to pay $100 million plus in taxes because they went out and got Carlos Correa. Sorry, Mitch. They got Carlos Correa when the Giants balked because of the medical. They went okay, yeah, we'll give you 12 years and 300 and something. The Mets are spending money like it's left and right, so they're going to spend over $100 million. Does he come in and initially want to be like the Padres guy, where it's like there is no limit to what I'm willing to spend to win a championship?
0: As long as we're winning, I think he's the guy that's going to go over the tax. He strikes me as the guy, if I'm going to go over it, you better have the right guys on the
1: court, because if I'm going right. over it and we're but, not competing, heads are going to roll. But for an organization like the Phoenix Suns, and, and remember this, to go over it by a decent amount is your money not money that's being brought in from by the sons right that's you know the goal of many of these owners I've said this before is very much to kind of break even lose five million gain five million sick but you know try to break even every year and you know where you're making your money is the valuation of the franchise going from four hundred million to four billion dollars to go crazy and spend a hundred million dollars over that's not coming out of ticket sales and you know selling jerseys and your TV deal a lot that a lot of that ends up coming out of your pocket because there's a lot to spend for organizations not. Just just the player salaries. Well, you've got all your employees that you got. to There's a lot to pay for. So, if, you, if you're thing willing, other, good thing the other business is doing quite well. Then, but that's where it would come from, right? right? That's what you know. You've got to. Is your owner willing to spend his own money on that? His own money, not just what the franchise is bringing in, but like deep. deep, deep I'm going to go into my pockets. You need an extra hundred million dollars into in our Phoenix Suns bank account. Put it in there. If we're playing a hundred
0: million, in, if we're playing in June, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a incumbent on the basketball players to make sure that he's getting his ROI. So
1: buckle up. Let's go. The Arizona Cardinals have failed in many of their uh, more recent drafts, but they're getting some bad grades for the most recent one. We'll tell you about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: <laughs> the Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson
1: Ford. Uh, Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale online. For more information, if you're looking for a new car, truck, or SUV, SandersonFord.com, and I do recommend the Mustang mach got a Twitter poll question. I'm going to look it up right now. Eric Ruby, he put it together and he's going to tell you what it is. Well, I'm going to play a sound bite for context. This is Suns legend Charles Barkley on TNT last night
0: discussing the state of DeAndre Ayton's relationship with the Suns after that video went viral.
1: You can't have that type of stuff on a team because you have to be all in or you're not in. I've been in the NBA
0: for 40 years. You can tell when something's not working and they're going to have to figure it out because right now it's not working. they go going to win a lot of games they got talent, but they're not even close to being a championship contender
1: anymore. So, Charles Barkley says something's not working between DeAndre Ayton and the Suns. Do you agree? No. DeAndre's having a good year. He had a good game last night. I agree more with EJ, Eddie Johnson. Things happen. You get frustrated throughout the course of the game. You expect to win when things aren't going right. You guys can yell at each other.
0: I think it's I think it's tough to take a seven-second argument on the bench and leap from there to where Charles
1: did. If things aren't working. Blow it all up. Now, Deandre, fair,
0: Deandre, DeAndre Ayton won Western Conference Player of the Week a couple weeks ago. He had 30-13 and 13 last night. The Suns have just as many wins as pretty much everybody in the Western Conference. Devin Booker didn't play last night. If they played that game ten more times in a row, Suns would win it ten times, even without Booker. It was a crummy night, a crappy night. Suns deserve to lose. But I don't think it's a sign. Yeah, I get it. Last year, DeAndre and Monty had their problems, but to say that this is a major major issue as part of a bigger problem i don't think so to be fair to chuck in the full soundbite that i had to shorten he did mention you know deandre saying he didn't talk to monty during the offseason and the history beyond that building up to this take so the results to this question
1: 55.5 percent are saying something's not working between deandre ayton monty williams and the phoenix suns meaning 44.5
0: percent believe that everything's fine between the trio Okay, I mean he had thirty and thirteen mm-hmm. last night. Actually, if you watch that video, and then somebody was right behind the bench, they, they waited on Twitter last night. DeAndre, was like, don't talk to me, talk to him. And you see him do it with his hands, like that. It wasn't me. Talk, me. Talk to him. He pointed at Bridges, probably. So they, they were they were a mess with defensive rotations last night and. Listen. Just flush that
1: one down the toilet and never speak of it again. All right. That is your poll questions on the Burns and Gambo page. We'll check back a little bit later and make sure that uh, that they, uh, and just update all of that information. All right. I saw an interesting. You know, it's a lot of Cardinal talk is now more towards the draft and you know the the future of Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury and not as much on breaking down the the matchup against the Tom Brady in the box. Right. It's 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 really not that. It's more about what the future holds in store for the Arizona Cardinals, making sure that they're in a position to really nail this draft pick. They're going to have the best picks in the draft. And there's a story that Bleacher Report put out. It said NFL teams already regretting their 2022 NFL draft picks. First guy mentioned, Arizona Cardinals tight end Trey McBride. Now, it didn't say regretting their first round picks. It just says regretting their draft picks. It says one of Arizona's more disappointing first year players is tight end Trey McBride. McBride, the team's top overall selection at number fifty-five overall. The Cardinals traded their first rounder, Marquise for Marquise Brown, uh, wideout who has missed five games and hasn't had the impact that they're hoping for. It says while the tight end, while tight end is notoriously difficult to transition to in the NFL, McBride has shown he's a long way has a long way to go before he could be considered reliable. The 23-year-old has played 45% of the team's offensive snaps in the 13 games he's been active for, but he's only recorded 16 receptions for 129 yards on 22 targets. He's yet to find the end zone. After having 10 touchdowns for Colorado State, and he's dropped a couple of passes. It says his usage, usage... has seen a minor bump in recent weeks, but he still amassed just 12 catches for 98 yards in the four games following Zach Ertz' season-ending knee injury. So is that a regret? Do you look back and say... They The Cardinals made a mistake in drafting Trey McBride. We always talk about the, the failures that they've had with first-round picks, but this is not a first-round pick. But it was their first pick in that draft. Well, the only reason his usage is up is because Zach Ertz got hurt.
0: If Ertz didn't get hurt, McBride's usage would be down. I mean, here's a guy that was inactive to begin the season. Inactive. Your second-round pick. Inactive. Second-round picks are drafted to... Contribute. I mean, maybe not start, should be able to contribute right away. Contribute right away, mm-hmm. and I don't want to hear he's just a rookie because that's the nonsense we heard about Isabella when it was clear he couldn't play from the jump in this league. Second round pick. Second round pick. I said it from the. I said it from the start. I. 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 I understand the thinking. You just signed Zach Ertz to a contract, so was tight end a glaring position? of Well, you need? didn't know about Max Williams. You okay, did not but, know about Max. But looking at this football team, was tight end a glaring position no, no, of need? I, it was I, not.
1: Remember me and Bernsey sitting there when they drafted him, and we broke the story here that they were drafting Trey McBride, and looking at each other like a Trey McBride? Like wasn't even in our ra- on our radar? But hang on, Mitch, did we have a, Did we even have a draft profile for Trey McBride? But hang on, we didn't even have a draft profile for him. Right?
0: Hang on though. If if you want to go that way because he's too good to pass up and Zach Gertz is not going to be around forever and he won the Mackey Award and this could be our tight end of the future and he's going to be a, a eight time Pro Bowler then okay
1: might not have been a position of need but if this guy's too good to pass up yeah but you got to hit on that then you better hit on it you got to hit if you're going to take if you're going to go outside of the of, of listen you can say all day long. Teams don't draft for needs, uh, but they do, okay? They draft the best player available at what they need. I need an edge rusher, an offensive lineman, and a cornerback. I'm going to take the best guy on my board at that position. But you don't always just take the best player regardless, right? Now, maybe early in the draft, top five, top ten picks you do, you know, because those players maybe you are more unique. But when you get to pick 55 – you know, if you're going to draft a tight end when you don't need a tight end, and you need a center, and you, you need an offensive lineman, and, and you need great. an edge rusher, and you need a cornerback, that guy better be Travis Kelsey. Like he, he bet, better be the next Travis Kelsey. He better be
0: great. So you so you say, okay, well let's let's see what this kid can do. Obviously, one so he's got the he's got the resume. He won the Mackey Award, best tight end in college football last year. So they said, And he gets out there and he he's inactive. It's like, okay, that's your first red flag. He's not even ready to play when the season begins. And now we've seen him. He's been out there for six games. He's got 16 catches. And he went home to Denver last week. And I, I talked about it last week. He'll probably have his best game of the season because for whatever reason, when guys go home, they tend to pick it up a notch. And, and he did. He had four catches for 55 yards. But was this season a bust for Trey McBride? Yeah, I'll say it, it was. But too early to call him a bust, too early to say they're regretting the draft pick, but what you can say, the early first-year returns on McBride have not been good, and it calls into question whether or not at least he, he, he will be
1: good yeah. going forward because we
0: haven't seen signs of that yet.
1: They mentioned the Bears with the uh, wide receiver Velas Jones Jr., They drafted him in the third round. They also liked him as a kick returner, but he has not been very good. They mentioned the Cowboys wide receiver Jalen Tolbert, who was also a third round pick and hasn't done very well. They mentioned the Texans offensive lineman Kenyon Green. Um, He's the highest drafted player on this list. So he was drafted number 15 overall by the Texans. He eventually got the starting left job uh, left. Thank you guard job, but he is disappointed in that role. Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker Devin Floyd, number twenty seven overall. He been a disappointment. Offensive lineman Ed Ingram of the Minnesota Vikings is uh, another play, the only other player that were mentioned. So there was what, five or six players mentioned, but the top of the list was the Cardinals tight end Trey McBride saying that he has had a really disappointing season. They're, they're not regretting the pick yet.
0: It's just again early returns have not been good. McBride needs to get bigger and stronger he's got to get he's got to get in the weight room he's got to look a little bit more like max williams when next year rolls around i see some skills i see the ability to run routes maybe catch the football a little bit he just he's got to get bigger he's got to get stronger
1: yeah. Period. Yep. That is uh, where the, uh, the the Bleacher Report story is on Trey McBride. As you go back, with all the needs that they had, you know, you needed offensive line help. You needed an edge rusher desperately. You needed cornerback help. You would have thought, okay, they, uh, they've they got to try to use that second-round pick because they traded their first-round pick for a, a wide receiver. Now, I understand getting all the skill position players for Kyler Murray, but you've got to have the guys that can protect Kyler Murray, and you have to have the guys that can help the defense get off the field. And they went wide receiver traded their first-round pick for a wide receiver, then drafted a tight end in the second round with their first overall pick. Colt McCoy has been ruled out of this game coming up on Sunday. We'll tell you about Trace McSorley and the other Cardinal injury news next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. and Gambo Afternoons on Arizona Sports The
0: local sports leader uh, Still in the protocol but feeling a lot better He'll be
1: out this week
0: um, but he definitely felt a lot better today which was encouraging
1: Alright, Colt McCoy is out for this game A must win game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers They, they have to win this game uh, there's a lot of pressure on Todd Bowles right now. I don't think they're very happy with the job that he's done over there. You know, Tom no. Brady's having a miserable season. They've got to win this game. Like, they're hanging on to, uh, to the division title by the skin of their uh, chinny chin chin. They've got to beat the Cardinals. And you would think, you know, Tom Brady against, Trace McSorley would be a big advantage for, for Tampa Bay. Trace McSorley has appeared in seven NFL games. He was drafted in the sixth round 2019 by Baltimore. The Ravens drafted him. He's got one touchdown pass in his career. Just one touchdown pass. He's going to make his first NFL start against the Bucks on Christmas Day. So the Bucks have one of the better pass past defenses in the league. They only allow 194.5 yards per game. No Kyler Murray, no Colt McCoy, and now Trace McSorley's going to get the opportunity to go in this game. I'll tell you right now, if Todd Bowles
0: can't figure out a way to beat Trace McSorley and the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas night, he won't make it on L- the bus. Lost to Brock Purdy. He won't make it on the bus, let alone the airplane uh for Tampa that that will be absolutely inexcusable. Byron Leftwich too. I mean, I know a lot of Cardinal fans remember Leftwich fondly from his time here working under BA, but that has been a that combo has been a disaster uh in Tampa. They're 6 and 8. You know, they're averaging about 17 points a game, which is worse than the Lovey Smith Buccaneers team that won two games a while back with Josh McCown and Mike Glennon quarterbacking. Mm, Mike that's, Glennon. That's how bad that offense has been. And they've got Tom freaking Brady <laughs> playing quarterback. Back to Colt McCoy. Gamble, we're not surprised McCoy's not going to play. Let me take it a step further. Would you even bring Colt back for the
1: last two? No.
0: I, th- 36 years of age. No, I want to see what I,
1: I got to make a decision on. So I, Colt's my backup quarterback next year. So I don't have to make a decision on him. I got to make a decision on McSorley. Let me see what the kid could do. Let me uh, see if there's some something, something special about him. I, I I'll play McSorley. I'm sure, not I'm not rushing to call back.
0: Sure, anymore. that's one benefit. My my thinking is there's no reason to put Colt McCoy in harm's way behind that patchwork defensive line, especially if the 49ers and that defense has something to play if for. If they have something to play for in Week 18, I would not subject Colt McCoy and the concussion to those guys. So at that point, just shut him down for the Falcons game in the season. I mean, he's already shut down for Sunday. So just, Trace, Trace, you got this. Let's just get to the finish line, and then, as you were saying, in the process, we'll also get a good look at Trace McSorley. Here is Cliff Kingsbury
1: talking about his third-string quarterback who's going to start this week.
0: He's one of those guys, I hate to use the term gamer, but he's got a lot of mocks. He plays a lot of confidence. Teammates respond to that well. Um, You know, he's mobile, can move around. You know, he had a couple of throws he'd like to have back, but he had a couple of scoring drives, and Like I said, uh, after the game, I just want to see how he does with some reps. It's not easy to go in there without any reps basically throughout the entire season with the first-team offense. So excited to see how he um, can perform with some reps this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, they'll have him as the starter, they'll have David Blah as the backup quarterback, and then they signed James Morgan on the practice squad. So that's your that's your quarterback room right now. So it's not very good. McSorley, like I said, is going to make his first career NFL start. He's got one touchdown pass in his career, going up against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Not a good Bucks team. But, he, you know, McCoy, you know what Colt McCoy is. He, 12 years in the NFL. He's played in a number of games for you over the last couple of years. He's under contract for Nick. Year he's your guy. I'm not rushing him back, but I do want to take a long look at McSorley just to see if there's anything there. I, um, you know, I probably not. I mean, probably not. But give the kid an opportunity. He's going to get all the reps this week. I mean, this is this is what every kid that's a third string quarterback is looking for. Just give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity to prove that I can play in this league. Games like this. Matter to, call, to to Trace McSorley because this this game is the difference between you being on a roster or you having a regular job and not being on a roster. You go out there and you play terrible with this golden opportunity. The chances that somebody's going to even want you on their team, maybe a practice squad, but for the most part, no. They're, they're going to look at the film and the kids, the kids no good. But if he plays well, it's a chance to stay in the league for a few more years.
0: And it's way better for your resume reel than a preseason game, right? I mean, you're yeah. going up against a first-team NFL defense, against a team that's game planning for you, against a defense that actually cares to win the football game. So, no, that's a great opportunity for Trace McSorley. Back to Colt McCoy, real quick, Gamble. Something to think about. I, I know Colt's got another year on his deal. We expect him to come back after the. He's going to be thirty-seven when next season starts. I mean, let's 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 make sure that Colt wants to run it back again next year. I mean, if there's a if there's a coaching change and there's a new coach, And there's a new offense to run and to learn coming off the injuries and the concussions. He's going to turn 37 next fall. You know, Colt McCoy, if it's not. Now, granted, you can make a lot more money doing this than he can do anything else, usually in this world. But keep an eye on that. If there's a coaching change and a new offense that he has to learn, keep an eye on that. Maybe Colt McCoy has a has a different idea about what he wants to do next year. Just here's, something to think about.
1: Here's Mick Sorley talking about uh, being named the starter this week. No, I mean, it's hard not to think about you know, the opportunity um, that's here, that's kind of presented itself. Like I said, obviously, you don't want to get it kind of how it's happened with you know guys going down with uh, some injuries and stuff, but um, just going about it one day at a time, you know, focusing on things and controlling the things I can control. Um, but then, you know, at some point, it, it's an exciting opportunity and, you know, I always want to let myself feel that excitement and, and feel that a little bit, just so I can uh, enjoy the moment. But at the same time, just being focused and ready to go. Look, I think more than anything, you have to tell your grandkids you played against Tom Brady. Yeah, we had a battle back in December. with me against Tom Brady. Grandkids like, you, guys, you played in the NFL dad, like the, uh,
0: the yeah, like the Forty Nine er player who picked off Brady and then had him sign the football after the game. Right, right, yeah.
1: right. No, like for the rest of his life. Yeah, we me against Tom Brady on Christmas. Uh, On Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Do the the jersey
0: swap with Brady after the game. Uh,
1: These guys got one touchdown pass in his career. He may not be long for the NFL, but he'll always be able to say that he took the field and started opposite Tom Brady. Come on, man. I I might retire right after that game if I'm him. That's good enough for me. I don't care how badly I play. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) That's done right there. All right. was last night in audition. For Kyle Kuzma, for the Phoenix Suns, we'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.